0: All uh, right. Uh, Polly wants to hear a podcast. Well, she's in luck. All right. It's the Through the Eyes of Jesus podcast. Welcome back. My name is Isaiah Leininger. Joining me today, as always, is my good friend Walker Howell. And we are very, very excited to have Haley Watson back on the show. Unfortunately, I missed the, the first time that she was on the show, but I did I get to you. listen to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did get to listen to it. So it was a very good episode talking on the issue of doubt. So if you guys want to go listen to that one after this one, be our guest, that's a great episode. But anyway, we're glad to have Haley on for this episode as well. Haley, go ahead and reintroduce yourself to the guests at home, please.
1: Okay, so my name's Haley Watson. In December, I'm gonna be changing my last name from Watson to Hofstetter. So a lot of my time right now is taken up by trying to learn how to spell that and how to pronounce that. Um, but I'm working through it, I'm working through it. I'm a senior at Fred Hardman University. My favorite color is pink. Um, I love fish, I have four pet fish. One of them is named Ezra. And
2: Is there any my Esther and Joe?
1: <laughs> no, um, the other three I just <laughs> named the Israelites. It's a complicated situation. Okay. Um, I'm a public relations major, and that's why after-
2: she's so good at podcasting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. And then after I graduate, my fiance and I are wanting to do mission work. So yeah, that's kind of my life. Where at? We're not sure exactly yet. You know, we used to try to plan it out and figure out exactly what we want to do. And being at Fried Hardeman, the problem is not not having a place to go. The problem is having too many options and trying to pick which option to take. Do you have so, a dream place? Hmm. He's going to New Zealand right after I graduate oh, wow. for a campaign. Mm-hmm. And so I'm trying to maybe go there for the summer at the same time as him and do an internship while he's over there. But as far as what we're doing after that, we're not exactly sure. We're just kind of seeing... Where God leads us, um, I've been learning Spanish since I've been at Freed, but I've also been to Europe. Uh, we planned a mission trip to Tanzania together, and we loved it there. So we're really open to whatever.
2: Good
0: job. Yeah, we're we're glad to have you and Xavier as you know fellow servants of Christ and, and uh, fellow uh, you know fellow members of the uh, evangelism community, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we're very glad to have you. On this episode, because as you can tell, we're going to be looking at the topic of modesty. Yeah, exactly the kind of thing Walker and I should talk about, right? No, no. <laughs> and that's why we run on Haley. Uh, we're, we're, we're very glad to have you on here.
2: Notice that Isaiah has gotten better at this because he's uh, not let me speak whatsoever. He's just sort of blown through the introduction because yeah. you know I'll say something stupid. <laughs> well, there have, there have been... Uh, Past inferences of that. Anyway, (laughs) like the first time we tried to record this. No, yeah, yeah. And I'm stopping you there. (laughs) And I'm stopping you there.
0: All right. Anyway, so as you may know, this is in the middle of season three, and season three is really dealing about doctrinal issues, things that divide the church, things that split the church, things in the scriptures that we may not all understand or understand the same way. So you may be asking yourself, why are why are they doing an episode on modesty in the middle of a doctrinal season? And to be honest, I kind of had that same question as well at first when I saw it. And it is it is a great question, so we're going to let Haley answer it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd just like to let our audience here know that I didn't choose to put this lesson in the doctrinal season. But I think that it fits really well. So um, there actually are some churches that view modesty as a particular type of doctrine. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later on as we're going through my story. But... Um, even if you don't consider it doctrine, there are some churches that really hold on to some doctrinal things, um, considering modesty, but I figured I could go ahead and kind of tell you guys my journey with modesty and then some different doctrines that I've run into. Um, so starting out, I, in the last podcast episode, I talked about how I didn't become a Christian until right before I was 17. Someone taught me the gospel in high school. And so I'm the only member of the church of Christ in my family and um growing up modesty was kind of something that i didn't really think of um it wasn't something that was really on my mind like how should i dress to be pleasing to god and a lot of like what kept me covered up i guess is just insecurity and so i think that that is something that we can rely on you know like our insecurity and our uncomfortability with our body and like it's easy to confuse that with modesty like i don't really feel comfortable and how I look in this, and so I don't want to wear it, or like, I feel like this outfit makes me look really not skinny, or you know, it makes me look fat, and so I'm not going to wear this, and that's definitely not modesty, and so growing up, I was just really insecure about my body, and like how I looked in certain types of clothes, but um, when I got into high school, I started to be more confident in who I was, and so I started to wear things that weren't exactly what I can would consider to be modest today, but I just thought I was being confident and showing off my confidence. Um, And then I got to a point after I became a Christian that I was like, okay, well, maybe it's not so much about insecurity, but it's about trying to be pleasing to God. And it's really hard for a lot of girls, I think, because we're not exactly given a standard in the Bible of that's black and white. That's like, do this, don't do this. And I think that's so foreign to us, especially in the Church of Christ, because there's so many things that we're like, oh, well, we do this, and we don't do this, and we have the Lord's Supper on Sunday, and we don't have it on other days, and we, you know, we sing acapella, and we don't sing instrumental, and it's just, there are so many things that are black and white, but modesty is just not that way. Um, And so I was just really searching for someone to define modesty for me, you know, And I ended up having a really close friend who I really love. Um, She taught me this doctrine that I guess populated a while ago in some more conservative churches. They started teaching this doctrine about um, looking back in Genesis and looking at when Adam and Eve were clothed in tunics by God after they were shamed in the garden. And it looks at that word, this doctrine specifically, it looks at that word tunic and It really like dives into the meaning and notices that the word tunic um, may have some correlation to meaning dressing from shoulder to knee and covering your shoulder to knee. And so they really just take that and hang on to that, that one word in Hebrew. And then there's another instance that they really look at. It's when um, God is explaining to Aaron, you know, what he should be wearing during some priesthood ceremonies. And it's specified that Aaron needs to wear linen shorts to the knee. And so looking at these two Old Testament examples of people dressing from shoulder to knee, um, some New Testament Christians believe that we should also carry that these two doctrines over until into the New Covenant and also cover from shoulder to knee. And so once I heard that, um, I was told that by—first of all, I was told that by a friend that I really loved— and really respect when it comes to biblical teaching. And I really look up to her a lot. Um, And so that was one reason that I really latched onto this. But the other reason was because it was just exactly what I wanted. You know, I like just really wanted a black and white. This is how I dress and this is how I don't dress. And that was just so comforting to me to hold on to that legalistic view, you know, because it's so much easier to have it in black and white than have to decide each day what's okay and what's not based on. My opinion and where I am and who I'm going to be with. So yeah, I actually like cleaned out all my clothes, donated a whole bunch of clothes that like didn't fit this new standard I had found. And I began to just dress differently according to this doctrine. And as time went on, I started to notice not only was I stressing myself out by how I was dressing, but I also started to realize that I was getting so anxious when I saw other girls around me not holding to this doctrine that I had been taught, you know, I don't really think that I judged them in a way that I thought less of who they were, but I was just pained that they were not, that they didn't know the truth that I thought that I knew, that they didn't know that this is how you please God, you dress, you cover from shoulder to knee, and so that just really made me think, like, I wasn't saying anything to these girls, I mean, some girls who I was close to, I did say something to, I was like, hey, I've learned this these verses and like you really need to study this because like this is what I've learned about modesty and you know you just want to share that with people um when you learn something that pleases God um but other girls that I didn't know as well or didn't feel comfortable approaching that topic with yet um I just kind of built a wall in between them and I emotionally because I was uncomfortable a little bit you know like you see it's almost like when someone um I don't know, shares, like, an instrumental worship song with you or something, you know? You don't, you're not, like, oh, you don't, like, condemn them right there, but, like, in your mind, there's kind of, like, an emotional block, you know? Like, oh, I'm I'm kind of uncomfortable right now. And I was, like, if I'm going to put this wall up between me and these other women around me, like, I really need to make sure that I'm believing this because this is what Scripture is teaching, not just because this is what I want Scripture to be teaching. And that was so weird because it's, like, usually we think is scripture teaching this and it's, you're being a little bit too loose and we're, I don't really know how to describe that, but I guess like, is is scripture allowing you to do this? And I was doing the opposite. I was saying like, is scripture actually binding me to do this thing? And is it binding other people to maintain this standard? And so I really just started to study, um, and just ask mentors around me. And I ended up coming to the conclusion that these verses are really just taken out of context and it's not a doctrine that we're bound to or that we really need to follow. It's just people searching for a guideline that really isn't there. And so, yeah. And so that's why I think that modesty is a doctrinal issue because there is that doctrine out there. And I'm sure there are plenty of other doctrines out there that people have put together and created because it's so, it's just so comforting to have a standard. Um, Does that make sense to you guys? Yeah. Okay. Um, But yeah, so we've talked about what modesty isn't, it's not this black and white thing it's not insecurity that causes you to hide your body from others because you're ashamed of it um, but now I think it'd be good to talk about what modesty actually is and so I think you guys have some verses that you wanted to bring up
0: yeah, uh, we did actually Haley and, and thank you so much for, for sharing us with us that story uh, and, and you know your journey as you're trying to Figure out what it is that God is asking of of you and of of other women and everyone else, not just not just women. Uh, You know, shoulder to knee that seems acceptable, but like you were saying, that's not from the scripture itself. Mm -hmm. That's from men, and so uh, I mean, yeah, I mean that makes sense, but like the the idea of shoulder to knee, it makes sense, but as you said, it's not. From the scriptures. So we yeah. need to be careful with things like that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, those verses that you were mentioning, uh, we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter th- chapter 3, specifically verses 3 and 4. Now, in this context, Peter is talking to uh, the women in the church, and he is re- kind of repeating the commandment that we have talked about previously uh, on this podcast. Uh, he's repeating a commandment that we see in Ephesians chapter 5, where he's talking about wives submitting to your husbands, for they are the head of the households. Uh, and then we see in verses 3 and 4, still talking to the women of this congregation, or of the, uh, the congregations that this letter will be sent to. In 1 Peter 3, verse 3, he says, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. So what is Peter saying here? Well, he's instructing these women and really everyone that the value that you bring to God, that the value that you have as a Christian, that's not on your outward appearance. That's not the things that you're wearing. That's not the things that you're, you know, putting on your body, whether it's clothes or makeup or jewelry or, or hair designs or whatever it may be, it's more important that you are serving God with your heart. It's more important that you are trying to do the things that God has asked you to do. It's more important that you have a gentle spirit, a quiet spirit. I'm reminded of James, I believe it's chapter 2 and verse 20, where he, or excuse me, chapter 1 and verse 20, where he says, uh, be slow to hear. Uh, slow to wrath, or excuse me, be quick to hear, slow to wrath, slow to anger. Uh, I'm mis- but greatly misquoting this verse. I, I apologize. I should I have it, had it up in front of me. Uh, I'm getting it now. There we go. James chapter 1 and verse 19. So I didn't even have the verse citation right. So <laughs> look at me go. Anyway, James chapter 1 and verse 19. Here's what it actually says and what it, instead of what I thought it said. He said, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So that's what I was reminded of when I read 1 Peter 3, uh, 3 and 4, where it said, have a gentle and quiet spirit. And I was also reminded of the story where Samuel goes to the house of Jesse in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And in that chapter, uh, Samuel, he's basically searching for Israel's next king. Uh, they had a king named Saul. He's still technically in power, but God has said, "I'm taking power away from him," because Saul was not following God's commandments. And so, the prophet and judge Samuel he goes to the house of Jesse as God instructs, and Jesse says, "Oh, well," or and Samuel says, "You know, let me let me meet your sons. Let me you know let me be introduced to your family." And so Jesse comes up with his oldest son first, and the oldest son's name is Elab. And Elab is a very strong young man. He's very well-built. You know, the Bible tells us that he's tall and handsome and, and strong. And God says, no, 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 it's not that one. Like you. No, not me. <laughs> but uh, you know, the Bible, God says that you know, this isn't the one. And Samuel's like, but look how big he is, God. He could be a good king. Look how strong this dude is. <laughs> and God's like, it doesn't matter how strong he is. It matters what it's on his heart. Right, and so that's why they ended up going with David, the youngest and the smallest of Jesse's sons, because David's heart was in tune with God. And mm-hmm. so that's, I think, the point that you know we were wanting to really make is it's less about the internal matter. Or excuse me, I can't, <laughs> I can't talk today. I should retire anyway. It's it's not as much focus on the external things as it is on the internal mm-hmm. things. You know, Christianity. Yes, we're supposed to spread the light. We're supposed to show people about jesus but christianity in and of itself is more about your heart than it is your clothes or your actions
1: yeah that's really great i i really love that and i really think that that's what modesty boils down to is it's just it's really an internal thing that we have to struggle with and it's not necessarily that something can see from the outside in because as new testament christians like. God knows our hearts, and that's what He's focused on. He's not focused on this black and white thinking and these legalistic ideas. He's focused on what are our intentions and what is our heart posture towards Him. And so, um, I really love how, like, in when you read in First Peter three, three through four, what modesty is is it's it's not necessarily like showing this part of your body and not showing this part of your body, but it's not drawing attention to yourself in ways that are prideful or unglorifying to God. So, you know, that can look different in a lot of different places. Um, Sometimes wearing more clothing can actually be immodest. Like say you go into church one Sunday and you're covered in pearls and you're covered in diamonds. You're actually wearing more things, but you're less modest. Um, And so I think that's really, there's a lot of depth there and there's a lot to think about. And one of those things is just how cultural it is because in our culture, it would be, really weird for someone to show up to church covered in satin or, like, really fancy fabric, you know. Um, of course, we, we do dress a little bit nicer, but we're not trying to be runway models or anything like that. <laughs> um, and even thinking about when I've gone to church in places like Costa Rica or Tanzania, people weren't dressing always the way that uh, women here dress. So a lot of times the women in costa rica they'd wear like jeans and a t-shirt to church or they wear jeans and a nice blouse but that's not what we do here so if if i were to go to costa rica and wear what i would wear at a really at maybe a bigger church in nashville but wear that in costa rica that might be immodest there but in a bigger church in nashville that wouldn't be immodest and so i think that really shows how modesty is cultural um just thinking about how wearing different things in different cultures draws different attention different levels of attention to yourself and just thinking about modesty as in how much clothing you're wearing to cover parts of your body I mean that's different across culture too because like you think about oh sorry my computer's doing something weird um you just think about there there's a professor here his name is uh James Gardner but he teaches a class called Values. And in that class, he talks about how there are some tribes in Africa who can't afford a lot of clothing and can't really afford to make a whole bunch of material for clothing. And so most women there, if not all of women in that particular tribe, they actually don't wear anything to cover their chest at all. And so that's not them being immodest because they're not drawing extra attention to themselves in that culture. But if they did that here, do you guys think that you, that would draw some attention? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, just you,
2: slightly.
1: yeah, just, not that much, just a little bit. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it really can be a cultural thing. And then like, there's even the discussion of, um, if you go to the beach, is that a different culture? Should you follow different culture guidelines there than if you're at church, you know, like what what is the line and I think each person needs to figure that out for themselves and that's really the big thing figuring out internally what your intentions are and um, how that differs from place to place and making sure that you're not binding other people to the decisions you're making because that's really when we uh, fall into some trouble and cause some emotional tension internally towards other people but, yeah,
0: does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was just going to add in that, you know, you, you were talking about not kind of binding your thoughts or your ideas onto somebody else when they're not grounded in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think we see a really, really good example of this basically every time Jesus talks to the Pharisees. Yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, of course, the thing with the Pharisees was that they were so, so, you know, uh, they, they, they were trying so, so hard to keep God's law at least most of them. And so what they would do is they would go above God's law, right? So, you know, for instance, uh, we, we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 about the times that Paul was, you know, was beaten and, and wrecked and shipwrecked and, you know, all, all of these things that he suffered for the cause of Christ. And he mentions in there that five times the Jews whipped him 39 times. Now, why does he mention that? Well, because in the Jewish law, the maximum amount of times that you could whip someone for an offense was forty but the Pharisees of this time they made they said no let's not do forty let's do thirty nine because they were so worried about you know miscounting and accidentally whipping someone 41 times, mm-hmm. which is a funny sentence accidentally whipping someone 41 times but the oh, point my. is the point is they imposed that rule on everyone so so that no one could break god's law and Yes, they had the right intention there, at least most of them. Again, you know, we can't really judge their hearts because that's not our place, and they lived thousands of years ago. So even if it is our place, we wouldn't really be able to tell. But anyway, the point is, they were so concerned about breaking God's law that they would kind of impose their traditions on people. Uh, and so, you know, the the whole idea of being wit thirty-nine times, that's the Jewish Pharisees going above and beyond what God has said and you know, normally that's a good thing, but at this point they're taking God's law and they're adding something to it. And we are explicitly told not to do that because it's God's law and not ours. Mm-hmm. If he wanted to change it, he could. He's not going to because we have the complete and full New Testament. We have everything that we need, right? But if he, for some reason God wanted to change it, he could. We can't. That's not our position. That's not our place. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I don't really necessarily think that these people are doing this out of a place of hate or just because they don't want people to dress a certain way. I think they're genuinely doing it out of love, and I think they're seeking a black-and-white answer that is comforting to them. Um, but, you know, there's there's almost something better about a God who doesn't give us black-and-white standards but, you know, looks at our heart and looks at our intention and truly knows us and why we're doing things. And... um so a lot of times, like when I'm getting dressed in the morning, I'm, I am ask myself, why am I wearing this outfit? You know, am I wearing it because draw, it draws attention to certain places? Am I wearing it because like, I'm really proud that I have this brand of clothing? Um, you know, why am I wearing this? Am I wanting to be seen a certain way? And is that way a reflection of glorifying God? And if it's not, I probably shouldn't be wearing that and trying to draw attention to myself in that way. Um... Now I kind of want us to get into a little bit more of a tricky area. Um, but, but before you do that, I oh think yeah, I say I yeah. I, oh yeah, go. I, ahead. I, I
0: just wanted to to kind of clear up something that I think you may have accidentally said. Oh okay. So uh, in in this area, I agree with you that God has not given us a thou shall or a thou shalt not. Yeah. But I think you may have accidentally implied that there's no black or white answers in the scriptures, and I, obviously you didn't mean to do that. Uh, oh, okay. I don't even know if that's how some people took it, but I just wanted to clear it up in case. Uh, the scripture is black and white on some things. Yeah. Right. The scripture is black and white on how to be saved. The scripture is black and white about how to worship. These, these kinds of things. Yeah. Right. But there are some things that are left up to our interpretation. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, for instance, we're never commanded to use pews in church. But you would be pretty hard-pressed to find a church, especially in you know, the United States, that does not have pews. Right. Or at least some form of seating, whether that's, you know, just individual chairs that they bring out and sit down or, or whatever. You know, we're, we're never commanded to use pews. Why do we use pews? Why do we use chairs? Well, because it, it helps us focus. Mm-hmm. Right. When we're sitting down in the pew instead of, you know, having to stand up the whole time or instead of having to, to sit down on a floor that may or may not be very comfortable, that it, it, it helps us focus on the worship. We're never commanded to use pews. You know so in that instance we have to use our judgment would it you know is it okay for us to use pews I don't see why not and and I think the same kind of thing applies here to modesty right and like you were saying it's kind of you know it's looking at yourself and saying why am I doing what I'm doing why am I wearing mm-hmm. what I'm wearing
1: yeah yeah thanks for clearing that up for us um but yeah now I want us to kind of move over to modesty um And, you know, how that applies to men and women differently. And it's so interesting because, once again, this is such a cultural thing. Because, like, something I think about a lot. And my fiancé and I talk about a lot. He's a history teacher. So, he's really into history. And I really like talking with him about history. Um, But in Greek culture, men were really... What's the word? Sexualized? Objectified? Yeah. And they were really... What the society was idolizing and what was, like, the sexual peak was a man. And in our culture, I would think that that is probably the opposite. I think women are really objectified and sexualized in our culture. Um, and I think I think men are too, but I think women are more. They're, you know, do you guys see what I'm saying there? Yeah. Um, but I think both men and women can be immodest as well, so um, drawing attention to yourself. Sometimes, um, a man, maybe he's really buff. Maybe he hits the gym a lot. He lifts. Um, and he just wears a little bit of a tighter t-shirt to show off those muscles from working out so hard. And I mean, I don't think that he's necessarily trying to harm anyone or displease God, but maybe he's just not thinking when he's saying, oh, I'm going to wear this shirt because it makes my muscles look bigger, you know. He's drawing attention to himself in a way that's not honoring God, honoring himself, or glorifying God. Um, and women can do that too when they wear maybe a pair of pants and they're like, "Oh, I just really like how these pants make my booty look." So that's just what I'm gonna wear today. And it's really the same thought process. And I guess Isaiah, have you ever thought that putting on a pair of pants? Have you?
0: No, but <laughs> uh, the you know the the shirt thing, like you're saying, you know uh from my limited experience <laughs> with this uh something that i've discovered is that women or at least some women really like it when guys wear like long sleeve button up shirts and then kind of roll the sleeves up to the elbow Appa- uh. apparently that's a thing that some girls like
1: <laughs> yeah
0: okay so confirmed all right so well,
2: good enough what good enough <laughs> yeah precisely <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: and that doesn't necessarily have to be you know like you can take pride in like do something that is a preference For women, um, you know, just just try not to take attention away from God or put it on yourself in an unhealthy way. Because, you know, like, sometimes I wear a cute dress because I like wearing cute dresses. But I'm not being immodest or being too showy. Like, there's a line there. So, yeah.
2: Although I don't roll up my sleeves for women. I just roll them up because it's hot outside.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, see, that's a practical reason to, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's a conversation, too, like... It, sometimes it's hot outside, and sometimes you want to wear less clothing, not because you're trying to show things off, but because it's hotter outside. And I think you still need to be considerate, like, if I'm dressing this way, is this going to draw an unhealthy amount of attention to me? Um, but, I mean, the bottom line is that modesty is not something we're doing for other people. Um, it's something that we're doing for God. And, you know, we... I think there is a really unhealthy culture out there that says that we need to dress modestly so we're not causing the men around us to lust. And, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily think that that's the best way to explain that to people because the Bible doesn't ever say that we're dressing modestly to stop people from lusting. That's not something that's ever said. Um, But it's something that we're doing to honor and glorify And please God. And quite bluntly, even if every single Christian woman dresses, you know, shoulder to knee or elbow to ankle, it doesn't really matter. Because there are going to be women out there who aren't Christians. And we can't hold them to the Christian standards we have. And they're going to be dressing immodestly. And so, you know, men and women, um, they just need to, you know, really dig within themselves and really take responsibility for you know, how they're responding to things. Because like we talked about, um, like in African culture, women are not wearing shirts sometimes. um, And you know, that doesn't draw attention to them. And so it's really just how our minds are conditioned because of the culture we're in, we're extra sensitive to some things. Um, And so I think people really need to take responsibility for how they're responding to certain things that people are wearing, if they're saying that people dressing modestly is causing them to lust. That's really a heart issue on their part. Um, but like I said, modesty is not something that we're doing for other people. It's something that we're doing for God. Um, and you know, maybe a side effect of that is it may help other people stay close to God as well. Um, because it's, ultimately it's going to benefit you because you're not getting unwanted attention and it's, it may even benefit someone else who is going through a phase of really struggling with that right now and we're all human and we all have struggles and so um and that's okay just as long as we're taking responsibility for that and not blaming that on other people but yeah it's something we're doing for God not for other people but it may somehow help other people um is there anything that you guys want to add about that
0: I just want to read uh, one verse and I think that'll really help us with it. And it's Philippians chapter four, verse eight. So of course, Paul, he's, he's wrote this book to the Philippians. He's wrote this letter to the Philippians and he's, he's ending off the letter and he's, he's just got you know, a few things left to say and, you know, and then he's going to, you know, wrap up the letter and, and ship it off basically. And so at the very, very end of chapter four, verse eight, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And other versions, instead of the word think, they have the word meditate. And I I like that uh, a little bit better. It has a little bit more meaning. Because when we use the word meditate in a scriptural sense, uh, you know, a lot of people, their first thought is a, an old guy in a, in a cave with no hair, with, you know, sitting crisscross applesauce, <laughs> hands up, you know, holding holding up the okay sign and going, oh, <laughs> right? That's what we think of when we think of meditating. But the idea of meditating is really just spending time thinking about something, mm-hmm. right? Like, for instance, if I, you know, came across a certain scripture that I didn't really understand, what I should do is take time to meditate on that. Take time to think about, okay, you know, what is the scripture saying? Who was it written to? You know, what is it, what did it mean for them? What, what does it mean for me? That kind of thing in order to help me better understand it. And so Paul is saying, you know, to this church at Philippi, meditate on the things that please God, right? Meditate on the things that are true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable right? And so I think that really helps us kind of nail down this whole issue of modesty, right? When you're focused on those things, when you're focused on being honorable and being pure, not necessarily for other people's benefit, for, but for, you know, to help you grow in your relationship with God, it's going to help you, as you mentioned, and it's going to help the people around you. It's going to encourage them to do better. And so I think it's, it really boils down to, to two things, right? First of all, be modest right and that's not unless like you were saying that's not just a a ladies issue that's something everybody needs to do Mm -hmm. and secondly we need to meditate on the things that are proper we need to meditate on the things that are holy so that even if we see someone who is dressing immodestly that our minds does not, you know, go down the path towards lust and, yeah. and towards committing some sort of sexual sin. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think another thing that we need to be careful of when we're seeing someone that we consider dressed unmodestly is staying away from judgmental thoughts as well. You know, maybe lust isn't the temptation you feel when you see someone dressed unmodestly, but the temptation you feel is judgment. And I think that's just as bad. And you need to learn how to get that under control as well. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, that may be something that takes time. So, but yeah, so as far as how we need to approach this topic, when we're deciding what to wear and what not to wear, really, you know, I think Isaiah really hit it on the head. Just, um, you know, think on things that are pure and lovely. And, um, Isaiah, did you want to read Colossians three seventeen as well?
0: Sure. Uh, so Paul here in the church to Colossae, Colossae he says, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Mm-hmm. So he's saying, whatever you do, right? Whatever you say, whatever you think, whatever you do, do it for Christ, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I've been using this verse a lot lately because it's it's, it's been sticking with me. But Galatians 2.20, right? Yes. I have been crucified with Christ, but it is no longer I who live. It is Christ who lives in me, Amen. right? And yeah. so we we, we, we talked about in this season... About, you know, the idea of when we become a Christian, we start a new life, right? We turn over a new leaf. And so that's one of the things that we have to do when we become a Christian is we have to give our all to God, right? And that includes how we dress. That includes how we act. That includes how we think about people. We are supposed to be Christian in everything that we do. We're supposed to be Christ-like in everything that we do. And I tell you guys what, I fail at that nine times out of ten. Right, maybe nine, eight, nine times out of a hundred, but the point is, we're supposed to keep our focus on Christ and and do the things that are holy and, and follow Him and all that He has said. Mm.
1: Yeah, um, that's great. I love that.
0: You know, something else that uh, mm-hmm. that really helps us pull this together is uh, is a verse in First Peter right before. What we read. Uh, so we read 1 Peter 3 3 and 4. But something that uh, we see in verses 1 and 2, of course, Peter is talking to two wives and he's telling them to, to be subject to their husbands so that even if some of them do not obey the word or, or have not obeyed the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectable and pure conduct. So what Peter is saying is, you know, if you're a Christian woman and your husband does not follow God, you can bring him to Christ because of the way that you act, because of the way that you treat him, because of the way that you dress. And he and he points out that part of this is their respectful and their pure conduct. And I think that's the kind of attitudes that we need to have, right? You know and again this isn't just a woman's issue this is christian issue Mm -hmm. right we need to have a respectful and pure conduct so that we can help bring other people to christ
1: yeah um and just there's a couple other things that i think we can do to practically apply this in our lives um i was actually talking to a couple of girls about this the other day when we were on our way driving to jackson um But we were just talking about, you know, like, how do you decide what is modest and what isn't? And, you know, we've talked about making sure you're not drawing attention to yourself in a specific way and making sure that your intentions are pure. But I think it's also okay to maybe have a mentor, maybe someone who's older, who, you know, you really, um, you, you really trust to, you know, give you advice about this, um, Maybe it's having an accountability accountability partner. Um, maybe you just really don't know what people are drawn to and what draws attention and what doesn't. And so it I think it'd totally be okay to have a mentor to ask about this or maybe even a fellow brother or sister that you're close to that you see um, really values this topic. And then just... One more practical thing, you know, when a person is first becoming a Christian, this can really be a very stressful topic and a very tense topic to bring up, you know, you don't, because, you know, there's just so much toxic culture around telling people how to dress and telling people what to wear and what not to wear. And um, I honestly think that this is just something that comes naturally, the more that you, like the longer you are a Christian, like the closer you get to God, the less you're going to be thinking about yourself and the less you're going to be trying to draw attention to yourself. And so while we, you know, we want to be good examples for people who are coming into the body, but we don't necessarily want to tell them everything that they're doing wrong right at first. And, you know, modesty is a hard one to not bring up because it's so prevalent and, you know it you know, it draws attention from other people if you're immodest in a place where people are just not used to that. And in churches, usually people are not used to that. Usually people are super sensitized to seeing things that they don't normally see in a church service. And so, you know, it's hard to not bring that up or not be condemning about that. But really just give that new Christian time and it will slowly start to happen and that's really what had to happen for me because I did have a couple people say something to me at the beginning and it never did any good you know they never said anything they never sat me down and talked to me about it they would say like a comment here or there and nothing really rude but just you know kind of mentioning like I don't really know if that's appropriate and really people saying things like that to me didn't really do any good it was just me having to get to know God better and get to know my purpose better and get to know my intentions with him better and learn that like in Galatians two twenty, like I'm this life is not for me anymore. It's for him. And slowly that modesty just started to come as I was getting closer to him.
0: We 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 appreciate you, Haley, coming on the show and we really appreciate your insight. And I think there's just one more thing that we want to briefly mention before we wrap up the episode and that is something that you mentioned earlier. You know, the reason that a lot of people talk about modesty is because they're trying to uh, ex- uh, help people who are struggling with lust, right? That's one of the biggest reasons that we as churches talk about modesty is because we're, you know, we're, as you mentioned, one of the biggest reasons that people push modesty is so it will, you know, not lead other people to lust. And as you mentioned, that's not the best way to really approach mm-hmm. this subject. But I just want to to briefly say that you know lust is one of those things that is becoming a lot more I guess popular. Uh, it's it's always been something that has been around, but like you said, Haley, it's becoming so you know interwoven in our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, in movies and TV and and everything. You know, I I mean they, they say sex sells because truth of the matter is it does right. Mm-hmm. People want to see those kinds of things. Uh, you know and. Lust can be something that anybody struggles with, right? It doesn't have to be, you know, be a specific age group. doesn't have to be a specific gender. Just lust is something that everybody can struggle with, maybe in different ways, but it's something that everyone has to deal with. And so we, wanted, we just wanted to, you know, not tell you that lusting is okay, because it's not, but we wanted to let you know that it's not something that, you know, if you're going through, it's not just something that you're going through. Yeah, and if it's not something that you're going through, we wanted to remind you that this is something that people are going through, mm-hmm. and so be compassionate when we're talking about these things. You know, don't rush in to, to judge or to condemn someone because they may be dressing immodestly or because they, you know, may be struggling with lust. Because mm-hmm. those are things that are so, you know, almost necessary in this culture, right? Mm-hmm. Things that are so prevalent in this culture that it's hard for Christians, especially younger Christians, as they're growing up in the world and they see all this stuff, it's hard for them to avoid it. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially with, you know, the access that we have on, on internet to, to things that we shouldn't see. Yeah. But it's so easy to see some of those things. And so we just wanted to, to, to remind you guys that if you're struggling with lust, yes, that you do need to, to work on that and fix on that and, and meditate on the things that are good and holy and pure. And, you know... Like Haley mentioned, maybe having an accountability partner, or maybe going to therapy, or you know, you you can't just let it let lust live in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we wanted to remind you of of that. We also want to remind you that you're not alone in the struggle. It's something that I know I've struggled with in the past, and I know there's several of my friends that have that have struggled with it as well. And we, we try to hold hold each other accountable when we when we slip up. So you're not alone in your fight with lust, and if you're not fighting lust, other people are. So we just wanted to remind you guys of of those facts before we close off the episode.
2: Well, thank y'all for hosting this episode. This has been great. I've enjoyed listening. It's been (laughs) been a great conversation, and uh, thank you, Haley, for um, all your insight and uh, the the things that you brought to our viewers' attentions because uh, we wouldn't want anyone else to do it because you did a great job at it. So... um, Thanks, Walker. So, I appreciate that. Yeah, we're, we're we're glad to have you, and we look forward to having you again next time. Because I know we're going to have you on again soon. I don't know when, but some point, <laughs>
1: um,
0: whether you want to or not, we're yeah. going to bring you back
2: because
0: we love having you here.
1: Oh, thank you. I love being on the show. So,
2: um, but that doesn't that just about does it for this episode uh, this week. Um, but make sure you tune in next week. Same place, same channel, same time. Saturday. And um, it's sort of like the Batman phrase at the end of the movie, never mind. <laughs> Nonetheless, uh, we, uh, we have various ways that you can get in contact with us if you have any questions because we know that our episodes are controversial and they can bring up a lot of questions and we try to explain these things in love and truth and sincerity. But sometimes what, the way that we explain things still don't make sense and you may have deeper questions regarding this topic. That's why we want to hear from you so we can get your questions and we can get them answered. Um, And that's why we have various ways you can contact us through social media, uh, on Facebook, through the Eyes of Jesus podcast, on Instagram, TTEOJ underscore podcast, Twitter, same thing. And then you can also reach out to us uh, by email, info at TTEOJ.com. And you can contact us by phone number, preferably text message, uh, 731-439-9671. Um, and then uh, I've done my spills, so I think Isaiah's going to close us out in prayer. And we thank you for listening. Let's pray.
0: Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are a great God. Lord, you are a loving God. We're so thankful for you and for uh, the fact that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. And Lord, we're so thankful for your word that helps us when we're falling, that comforts us when we're afflicted, Lord, we're so thankful for uh, the conversation that we've had tonight. Lord, we pray that it will be uplifting and encouraging. Lord, we we pray that uh, what we have said tonight will be helpful to those who hear it. Lord, we, we pray that as we go about our lives that we will do as Paul commanded and we will keep our thoughts focused on the things of your kingdom and not of the things of this world. Help us, Lord, to keep our minds and thoughts focused on you and and following you and serving you help us lord to do what you have asked us to do for the right reason help us lord uh, when we fall help us lord when we sin please forgive us of our sins lord and, and thank you so much for loving us enough to send your son to die on the cross and it's in his name we pray amen